You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I am the aforementioned Pimp Cron, and this is a show that caters to fluff and casual players. And this is episode 45. We are slowly creeping towards our one-year anniversary, and it's very exciting. What on earth are we talking about tonight? Well, I bet that's on your mind, and here I am with the answers. We have a want that or want that not with Shattered Dominion, which is the new set of Age of Sigmar terrain, and uh, I'll tell you what I think of that. We also have a Tesseract mailbox with several small emails that... um, you know, a lot of times I get sent like one or two sentence emails that are corresponding with me from listeners. And eventually, you know, they're not enough to make an entire segment out of, but eventually I will put them together and just make one segment out of a bunch of non sequitur emails. And we also have an interview with Diego, which is a, uh, a pretty famous independent sculptor um, for miniatures. He's done uh, 10 different Kickstarters, uh, all fully funded for his old hammer style miniature sculpting. And um, I actually have funded the Greenskin Wars one. Uh, but anyway, and um, I've already bought and painted up some of them for brutality, believe it or not. So uh, that is that. I interview him, and it's uh, pretty interesting, at least it is for me. So what has been going on in my life? Well, work, 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 and write, write, write on the novel. Um, I painted up a sweet ass, uh, what's his name? Um, Arakan the Black, but I'm going to be using him for my Tomb King's army, so he's not really Arakan the Black. I'm going to modify him a little bit, but, um, I, he is going to be maybe, um, the, what's it called? The, the Tomb King on Royal Chariot or whatever, or he might be on a a Royal War Sphinx, not sure. But um, either way, it is that model. It's painted in my hot pink, light blue, and white Tomb King's colors, which surprisingly work really well together. And I'm super, super stoked about that. That's one of those models that I'm so proud of how it turned out that I actually, like, before work each day, and this is not even a joke, it's not an exaggeration, I will go into the room where it's sitting currently, and um, right before I leave for work, I go in there and I just pick it up and look at it for a minute. Like, I'm like, I am genuinely happy with the work that I did on this. Can't wait to play with it. Um, and the novel is 26%, I think, uh, finished. 27%, something like that. Um, got several thousand more words done. Uh, the Brutality Skirmish War Game based novel is what I'm talking about. And what else? What did I even do last week? Um, oh, well, I actually, I pulled out a win with my Necrons, and I would have beat them, I think it was 18 to 10, I think it was. It was a pretty strong victory at the end. I really thought it was against um, Blood Angel, a team-up of Blood Angels and uh, Death Guard. And I got to tell you, I hate those fetid blow drones. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not with want them with uh, ham. Uh, but I pulled out a win. So uh, that, that was fun. And what else? I guess that's it. Um, yep. 
So that's my hobby progress. And I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not, but I painted a bunch of Korgoraths. Two Korgoraths and a, a Lord on a Juggernaut. I think I mentioned that last week. I don't know. All my days are running together. I'm working too much. So let's get the show on the road. And thanks for listening to the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Well, boys and girls, it's that time again where we open up the Tesseract mailbox. And tonight it's going to be a little bit different because um, we often have one letter that we read and we talk about, etc. But tonight we actually have slowly accumulated a couple small little exchanges between us and the listeners. So why don't we just read those and you get a couple small messages versus one large message. All right. The first one is, uh, sup, Mr. P. I have just started listening to your show, and I started at episode one. I was going to write in and tell you that you should add a segment about what you've been up to. I live in an isolated area and like to hear what other people are doing. But now I am to the episodes where you started doing that. LOL. I love the show. Chris. <laughs> this is like a this is kind of like no offense Chris this is kind of like a non sequitur email but uh thank you for the email I appreciate it and I would love to know more about exactly where you live which is an isolated area um like I'm I'm picturing something like an antarctic you know science uh outpost or something like that maybe this is international space station who knows um somewhere maybe a uh secret lab under the ocean or something like that. But anyway, thank you for writing in, Chris. My next one is from Jamie in Jacksonville, Florida. Pimpcron, I liked this last episode on target priority. I hope you make this a regular thing. Peace, Jamie, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Thank you, Jamie, for writing in. And I do really, so tactics is something that I really, really love, and it very much interests me. So... I would really like to start covering some more tactics because that is what I pride myself on is good strategy and good tactics. And, uh, I, even though this is a, you know, a fluff and a casual podcast, whatnot, it's all about having fun. What I have fun about is tactics, not cheesy list building, not buying a pain to win, none of that stuff, just actually playing the game well. And, I definitely have every intention of of making this uh, not a regular segment, but a regular topic. And every so often when you see an episode titled Tactics, colon, whatever, uh, that's what we're talking about. Specifically, um, one of the ones I want to do soon is deep striking tactics. But because, good God, I see people mess this up all the time. People do not know how to deep strike. But uh, anyway... You keep an eye out for that. Thanks for writing in, Jamie. Last one is, Hey, Kron. Your wife sounds like she could not be more bored during the Dark Eldar episode. Leave that woman alone. <laughs> Don't make Cronette do this stuff. She clearly has no interest in it. On the other hand, she is like the only female on any of these Warhammer podcasts, so even though she doesn't play, I guess it's good there is some sort of representation. You know what? Just delete this email. With love. And, and here's the kicker, okay? Ass Blaster XYZ. <laughs> we have a classy clientele here at the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast. Um, 
So, yeah, I will admit that Cronette was probably not, uh, you know, I aired one of my mistakes here in podcasting land. Um, Cronette was probably not the best one to do for the Dark Eldar history episode. And um, because she didn't have the passion behind Dark Eldar that me or Just James would or Loremaster Alex. So, in the future, I don't think I'll have her on if we do any more history ones. Now, nobody has read, written in pro or con about the Dark Eldar episode um, if for it or against it, I asked you guys to please give me some feedback. If you would like more history-based um, podcasts such as that, where it focuses on the um, you know, the history of a product line on an army-to-army basis, please write in at gmail. Uh, pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron, and uh, that will give me some feedback. I don't know if people liked it. I don't know if people didn't like it. Um, and, uh, but you're right. Cronet is probably not the best person to have on there. I really need somebody in there like just James that shares my love of dark Eldar to get excited about it. So that was a little bit of a mistake. We're going to fix it in future episodes. If we ever come back to the history thing, we'll get somebody that's super jazzed about it. And, um, that is it for this week's Tesseract mailboxes. So thank you, Chris and Jamie and Ask Blaster XYZ. Um, <laughs> and, um, we will talk to you later. Of course, like I said, pimpcron.gmail.com, facebook.com slash pimpcron. Give us an old shout. And, um, if it's short and a non sequitur, I will eventually accumulate it into, uh, a multiple message segment. That's it. Want that or want that not? Welcome to Want That or Want That Not. I am the Pimp Crown, and today I'm here to share something special with you. There is a new set of Age of Sigmar terrain, which of course could also go for 40k if you wanted it to, and it's called Dominion of Sigmar, and it is a brand new set of somewhat vaguely Egyptian-looking, like, uh, Roman kind of... something like that, um, like altars and... Um, statuaries and pillars and steps and whatnot. So this is, um, it's out for order now. Uh, there, I think the, the main thing they've messed up with this is that these items are far, far larger than they look in these pictures. Like the actual items that you get are massive. So Bliggity Blam Steve has already bought um, at least one of everything, and we'll be painting those up and featuring them at Shorehammer this year. And uh, the there's actually three different sets. There's the Dominion of Sigmar Shattered Temple, which is essentially a rectangle elevated thing with steps on each side and pillars. And um, it's just pretty. It's 45 bucks. Um, it's like a foot long. It's huge. Uh, it does not look that way in the picture, but it's definitely huge for $45. Not bad at all, I don't think. Um, Dominion of Sigmar Time Worn Ruins is kind of a meh. It's a bunch of um, scatter terrain, but it's not even terrain that you can sit in. It will provide no cover for you. I guess it really would be good as kind of an add on to any one of these temple structures, but this alone is $40, and I really don't feel like that's worth it for a bunch of scatter terrain. Scatter terrain that you can't get cover off of and that don't block line of sight. I'm just really not feeling that. 
Um, now, if you're going to make your own ruined temple scenery or something, if you're making something at home with this terrain, um, maybe the time-worn ruins would actually be helpful because it could really add a lot of um, interest. And for only 40 bucks, if you're already going to make that, then fine. But $40 to add it to something that you just paid 45 or $65 for, definitely not worth it in my opinion. Um, what is it? I-M-H-O. So the next one is Dominion of Sigmar Sigmarite Dias Days Dias I think it's Dias, and this also this one's a circular one. It comes with a couple like burning um, torches, comes with a bunch of columns, and it comes with like a statue of Sigmar. And this one I actually like better. This is sixty five dollars and it's round. I actually like it better than the Shattered Temple, which was the first one. And once again, this thing is massive. It is like a large dinner plate. When I saw it in person with Blingity Blam Steve, I was really drawn drawn aback because it's it's just massive. And um, super, super easy to paint. Super, super easy to make it look good. Bunch of dry brushing, some washes. I mean, just, it's got a ton of texture on it. And for $65, so $45 for Shattered Temple, the rectangular one, I think is a dynamite deal. 65 for the Sigmarite Dias, uh, that's pushing it, I think. I don't know that I would get that one. It does come with a nifty statue of, um, of Sigmar, but other than that, mm, not so sure for $65. Then finally, you've got the Dominion of Sigmar, the Enduring Storm Vault. Now, this is $160, and it comes with... Uh, more or less, it comes with the first one, which is Shattered Temple. Comes with a rectangular one of those. Comes with a statue of Sigmar. Comes with two big, like, dog sarcophagus caskets and a bunch of little ramps that go from each one. And then finally, it has, like, a half-circle big elevated thing. Um, I think this one is probably... I think this is a better deal than the $65 one. Now, obviously, it's $100 more, but it's got a lot of extras to it. It has the same exact uh, Sigmar statue. It's got the dogs. It's got the torches. It's got a lot of cool stuff. Um, my personal recommendation is if you're trying to make an entire board out of this, I would honestly buy one of each. The 160 the 65 and the 45. So you're talking what that's um $260 and you have a crap ton of terrain for a 4x4 board. Um which is super easy to paint, super easy to assemble and massive and durable and they provide cover. Also, what's interesting is that you can't really tell this in the pictures, but each one of these things are raised up high enough that they will obscure line of sight for small infantry like free guild guard or whatever. Um so if I would say getting your bang out of your buck, uh, I think my suggestion would be get the first one, the Shattered Temple. Uh, maybe get two or three of those. They're $45 a piece. They're roughly the same size as the $65 one. And you get about the same, if not arguably... Actually, you'd get more. If you bought four of these Shattered Temples, it'd be the same price as getting the Enduring Storm Vault, which is the biggest set, the $160 set. And you would be getting four large pieces of terrain versus two large pieces of terrain. But all of these are pretty interesting in their own way. Uh, so for the value, I think the cheapest one is the best, $45. If you want to make a table of it, honestly, all of these are unique enough that you probably just want to buy one of each. 
and if you can get like a store discount or discount online or something like that. Now, finally, the last thing to mention here is the Shattered Dominion Age of Sigmar collection, which is um uh it includes the Age of Sigmar board, the Realm of Battle board with the six panels, and it includes the $65 set and the $160 set. Now, this is $635, and admittedly, the Age of Sigmar Realm of Battle board looks pretty cool. Um, it's been out for several years, and we used to have one at the store. Um, the problem is, it is a total bitch to roll dice on. An absolute bitch to roll dice on. So, unless you're going to fill that with clear epoxy or, or lava or blood or something to make it not so divoted and pockmarked, it is a total bitch to play on. So... I absolutely 100% would not suggest the Shattered Dominion Age of Sigmar collection because I just do not see the value in it. Matter of fact, it almost seems like it's more than it should be for this collection. Uh, remember when Age, uh, when Games Workshop used to do that? They used to make bundles and like occasionally they'd be like $5 more than just buying them all separate. Like, what are you doing here? Uh, that was before the start collecting boxes though. So I guess they've kind of learned from the error of their ways, but... Anyway, uh, I overall, I do like this set, and it is definitely a want that for me. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. So for today's main topic, I wanted to interview an independent sculptor that has had a lot of success on Kickstarter and other places. And to help me do this interview today, I have Cron Jr. Hey, Cron Jr., and the person that I wanted to interview for this is Diego Serrate, which is a famous independent sculptor of 28mm miniatures, and he's done multiple uh, successful Kickstarters, and there's um, the one that like I helped kickstart was um, you know, Green Skin Wars, but he's got a lot of other ones like Chaos Pantheon and things like that. So... He is from Spain, and Diego said that he would rather do this via um, uh, written form because his verbal English may not be as clear as his written English is. Because he's Spanish. Yes, so I'm sure Spanish is his first language and English is his second, probably. And that is why um, a lot of people find it easier to write and read a language versus try to say it correctly, you know? So... We have gone back and forth, we've had a conversation, and I've interviewed him, and I wanted to kind of get inside his head and see exactly what, you know, what inspired him and how he learned to do this and all of that. So, I am going to be reading Diego's part, and Cron Jr. is going to be reading my questions. Are you ready for this? Yes. I'm done. <laughs> Why don't we get this uh, started? So, hold on. What was my first question for Mr. Diego? Please explain your background in this hobby and what originally got you into it. Explain how you got into sculpting models and what spurred you to try it at first. Um, I am not going to attempt a Spanish accent, so here goes nothing with Diego's response. As a child, I was always fascinated by the monsters and mythical warriors and such, so after playing with many plastic toys along the 80s, the day I discovered, totally by chance, the Warhammer miniatures, it was a total blast. 
I think it was around 1988 or 1989. And to be honest, the first one I saw was A Silver Dragon by Ralph Partha. It was from the D&D range. It wasn't until one year or more later that me and my friends discovered the Warhammer world. And in terms of miniatures, it was like going one step higher. More appealing and spectacular than the Ralpartha ones, which were more classic in style. And for a 12-year-old's brain, it was an easy choice. Sculpting my own stuff only came some years ago, around 2012. I've always made conversions and such, and after seeing some tutorial videos on YouTube, I decided to give it a serious try. And after some horrible fails, something changed like a click in my brain, and things started to flow. And what was that next question, Kron Jr.? When did you start playing miniature war games? Well, I can't remember my first game. Probably it was a terrible mess. But I think I got my first miniature, a goblin musician from Ralpartha, when I was 12, around 1989 or 1990. Please describe what the model design and sculpting process is now in the manner that you do it. As a fan of the old school style, and by old, I mean 1980s through 1990s era, I use mostly the same technique as they did in the past, using a wire on a cork as the skeleton for the model. Then it gets covered with green stuff for the main shape and volume, and in my personal case, I prefer to do the fine detail, and especially the flesh, muscles, and organic surfaces in general, using Super Sculpey. That's putty which requires being backed, but it allows you for very fine detail and there's no drying time, so you can spend as much time as you want. Do you usually use an existing model as the base, or do you use a wireframe to apply the green stuff to? Usually, I started with the wireframe and everything, but nowadays with so many different models already done and cast, Sometimes I can just use any of them as a base and start working over cutting, adding stuff, whatever, until I start to see something cool. What is your most successful miniature or miniatures line that you have done? By far, it is Festimus, the Chaos Champion for the Pantheon of Chaos line. And he attached a picture of it. It's a really neat looking model. Cool. Um... Provide contact information or a website so that you can plug an upcoming Kickstarter or a way for people to find your miniatures. <laughs> the main online shop is www.nightmareminiatures.com. I've run more than 10 Kickstarters too, and there's one running right now, releasing Space Goblins by the legendary Goblin Master Kev Adams. Kev Adams! <laughs> Lightning crack. Right. Yeah. Um, I understand that you mostly focus on orcs, and I would be interesting. It would it would be interesting to find out why. Not exactly, you idiot. Actually, I added the idiot part. Not exactly. I do both green skins and chaos, and also old school sci-fi stuff. But I reckon probably the green skins are the most popular and the most requested. Also, having Kev Adams on my side to sculpt them is really an awesome privilege. Do you have any other things that you would like to add? I just want to mention how good-looking Pimpcron is. Nope, I, I also put that in there. Diego did not say that. 
I just want to mention how hard it can be nowadays to stay loyal to an idea in a specific style. Old hammer looking style in this case. But I guess that making chunky metal figures when everyone else goes resin or plastic must be what makes Nightmare Miniatures different, isn't it? I would also like to mention all the awesome sculptors who helped me with this, in no particular order. Kevin Adams, Tim Prowl, Boris Wallosen, I'm going to mess up these names, Drew Williams, Christian Afbiargo, Alessio Sesbani, and maybe some others that I can't remember now. Well, thank you so much for answering us, Diego. This has been a lot of fun talking to you. To get a little bit more into um, his specific way he does this to explain exactly how you can create your own models. We touched on this interview that many, many people will take an existing model. Let's say, Scotty, you want to make um, some sort of model. really doesn't matter what it is, but you you find out that there's an existing model that would be a good base for it, right? Yes. So let's say you want to make... Um, Let's just say you want to make a frost imp, let's say. Okay. Okay. You decide that a savage orc from Age of Sigmar would be, or uh, bone splitters, I think they're called. Bone splitters orc would look really cool. Okay. okay? In the, his pose and everything, he looks like he would make a really good ice imp, okay, yes. or frost imp. So what you do is you carve off all the things that, you know, like his loincloth that he wears and all that stuff. You carve all that stuff off if you don't want him to have it. Now, if you wanted your ice imp to have a loincloth, maybe, you know, like um, change it to like a wolf pelt instead of like a leather loincloth. So you'd use green stuff to sculpt on that tapestry. Okay. Then you would also use the body of that. um, If you wanted to make him instead of five-fingered, you wanted to make him three-fingered. You use green stuff to fill in between two of these fingers and two of these fingers, that sort of thing. And um, then, of course, you would add whatever you want. Maybe swap out the head completely. Um, But if you were going to use the orc head, you would sculpt on it and make it start looking, you know, icy and rocky and crystallized and whatnot. If I did, I would have, like, icy hair going back behind it. Exactly. And that's what you could do because green stuff is a two-part epoxy. And um, you mix it together, and of course it, it hardens. It's not super hard, though. It's actually quite flexible if it's thin. So that's why it's really good to either start with a wire frame, like Diego said he does, or you can start with an existing model that you really like the pose of, and you think they would make a good core to your model. And then, literally, if they've got a little pouch on their, their belt and you don't like that, cut it off. If you think, wow, you know, I really don't like the position of that arm, Cut that arm off and reposition it and fill in the gaps of green stuff. I've done that before. Oh, have you? Yeah, well, you know, I make models and cut here clicks up and make them <laughs> into different things. So that's exactly what Diego and other independent sculptors do. And um, it's very interesting because a lot of times they will take an existing model and then they can add hoses. Like um, if they want to make it, let's say you want to take a, um Imperial Guardsman and make him a Borg from Star Trek. Okay. Right? You would add little tubes out of his head, and you would slowly start adding on all these chunks of green stuff and sculpting them in ways, you know, strip off everything off the model that doesn't suit your needs, and then add everything that does. Okay. And um, it's a very, it's it's almost kind of cheating, 
but it's a great way to do it because, you know, the, the main form has already been done for you. Um, and green stuff is, is a nice, durable material. Like he said, Super Sculpey is um, much more finer. You can get a lot more, better detail, but it's even flimsier than green, green stuff. So green stuff, like he said, when he, he'll make the pose of a model that he wants on the wireframe. Yeah. He'll bulk it out with green stuff and get all the, the major shapes in it. Then he'll use Super Sculpey to go over the green stuff and he can really chisel out every single little detail. And, um, you know, of course, you if you're doing super fine details on a regular model, you could also use Super Sculpey and do that. So he could have like a regular orc and then put like the chaos symbol on that one, like that creepy guy that you've been painting for chaos. The, the Korgrath? Yeah, the Korgrath. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is actually really fascinating. And the real diehard miniature sculptor, sculptors um, like Diego would use a wireframe and they bulk it out and blah, blah, blah. But it is so cool. I've actually done this before a little bit. I've dabbled in it. That um, just altering existing models, you can make them look so different. And um, a lot of times you can find in old White Dwarf magazines, which is Games Workshop's magazine, monthly magazine, um, they have a lot of pictures. They used to do all kinds of kit bashes of, oh, well, here's my Kill Team's uh, you know squad. And then they would completely, completely customize their models mostly with green stuff and, and that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, of course, you can also use bits and kit bash the model first, you know, glue pouches or, or a gun or whatever you, that doesn't normally come with that model and then fill in all the gaps. Okay. Now, your mother is a lot better with green stuff than I am. So, because she's a pretty good sculptor. So, what I do is, do you remember the, the giant bats that I have, the Vargeists? Yes. For Age of Sigmar? Um, I hate the poses on those models. Absolutely hate it. So, what I did is I put them in different poses to make them more look like they're flying instead of like doing some sort of scissor dance. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and your mom was able to, once I glued it like barely in place, this arm, yes. there's this huge gap because the arm's not molded to be that yeah. way. So what your mom would do is take green stuff and fill in all those gaps and, and make it get blend into the muscle and stuff like that. Okay. So there's... There's a lot of really neat things you can do. So if you are a player that already likes to kitbash and take models and pieces and parts and put them all together, you know, the very next step is starting to use green stuff. And Green Stuff World is a uh, really cool website and eBay shop. And they've got all kinds of things like you can actually, uh, they have rollers with patterns on them. Wow. And you can actually make... Um, like, you know, like tubing and wires. Yeah. You can take green stuff and do that using their rollers. It puts all the little slices into it to make it look like cables and hoses. Um, wow. They've got a lot of really neat stuff like that. But anyway, I don't want to get too far off topic. I really do appreciate Diego um, talking to us. And um, I love to actually hear from industry professionals and exactly what they do and what inspires them. So it sounds to me like he just started out as a kit basher and slowly grew into what I just described of using models and then eventually going as hardcore as to use wire frames, you know? Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. So this is just another little insight into another facet of this hobby where people actually make money and they're successful and they're doing something they love. And I mean, 10 Kickstarters can't be wrong, right? Yes. Yeah. 
No, they can't. I, I, I don't, you know, my yes and no's are mixed up sometimes. I don't know whether yes or is no, or no is yes. It's a, it's a problem. All right. Well, thank you for being on Cron Jr. And thank you for being on Diego. Goodbye. And once again, that is NightmareMiniatures.com. Dot com. And also go check out his Kickstarter and it is called The Space Goblins by Diego Serrate. Pania, I think his last name is. And um, that is on Kickstarter.com. And it's it's pretty awesome. It just oozes Old Hammer. It's, it's just so cool. From the picture, it does. Yes, it's got a very much a rogue trader type of feel to it. And that's what he specializes in. Diego, I know for a fact, has a huge following in the Old Hammer community. Because all of his models, when they after he sculpts them and they cast them, they cast them in metal. Oh. So um, a lot of people like myself love metal models. So anyway, thanks for being on. Goodbye.